I, I'm going to continue on with my thoughts from yesterday, but I have more thoughts to add to them. And the thoughts from yesterday were inspired by a conversation I had with um, Holy Spirit on Saturday morning. Saturday morning, I was reading my Bible or going through, you know, the Bible. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you know why uh, most people don't like to pray is because when they pray, they don't get very many answers. And so they quit. And then he said, the reason why they don't get very many answers is because they don't do it the way I told them to. And so then he had my attention. And um, and it's true in my, in my um, history with traveling around the country, most people get discouraged at the concept of prayer meetings because not very many people want to come. And if people's prayers were being answered, prayer meetings would be more attended than church services. How many of you believe that? Like, if when we were praying, God was actually answering, you couldn't get enough room for a prayer meeting, right? Like, people would not want to miss a prayer meeting. And so there's got to be a reason, right? And, and so this is the kind of the train of thought that the Holy Spirit took me on and he started me in Mark 11 and I'm not going to have you turn there. I'm just going to, I'm kind of going to overview what I did yesterday, but then I have to add on because of some circumstances that happened last night that I'm going to share with you. Okay. But in Mark 11, Jesus is, you know, walking over and he sees a fig tree with leaves on it and he's hungry. And so he goes to it and he finds out there's no fruit. And so he says, may no one ever eat from you again. In other words, he cursed it. And then he goes in the temple and he, this is the second time that he kind of tears up the temple, you know, with righteous indignation because he says, you know, my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a den of robbers. Right. And so he turns over the tables and he kind of, tries to get rid of all the merchandising and stuff that's going on instead of prayer. And then that next day, as they're walking him and the disciples, Peter says, look, Jesus, the tree that you cursed has died. You know, it died from the roots up, right? It died from the roots up. Okay. Now I went back and looked at that little passage really, really clearly, you guys, and all Jesus did was talk to it. He didn't pour poison on it. He didn't cut the root system with like a, you know, some kind of a digging apparatus. He didn't do anything in the natural. Okay, that's the point I'm trying to make. There was no natural thing. It was all just words. And so here's what I would like you guys to consider. If I was walking with, let's say Ron Crooks, my friend there, that's got the weight system in the background and Ron looked at a tree and cursed it. And the next day the tree was dead. I would probably think that's the most anointed man I've ever met in my life. Would you guys think that like, if somebody had the ability to kill a tree with their words, 
you would want them preaching for you in everything you did, right? Because you'd think, whoa, this guy's got power. Well, that's what it was like with the disciples. Because the next day they saw the tree was dead and all Jesus did was talk to it. And I believe that the power of the kingdom of God is always voice activated. Okay? I don't think it's thought activated. I don't think it's even motive activated. I think we have to put our words to it because God created everything by words and then he created us in his image. And actually he's put his word in our mouth. Did you guys know that's a sign of this covenant that we're in? The sign of the new covenant would be Isaiah 59, 21, where it says that he would put his words in our mouth, our kid's mouth, our grandkid's mouth as an everlasting covenant. And so that's why it says in Proverbs 18, 21, that we have the power of life and death in our tongue because the power of God's word can kill things and give life to things because God's word is all powerful. And so Jesus's response to Peter's overwhelming awe is Jesus then in, Ma in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 and 23 and 24, actually tries to explain to Peter how he could have the same kind of power in his words. Okay, you guys get that? And so it starts in Mark eleven twenty-two, where Jesus says, have faith in God. So your words have no power unless it's based on the faith in God, right? Does everybody agree with that? If we just use words as a method or a strategy or a protocol or whatever, there's no power in that. If it's just a ritual, there's no power in that. But if our words are compelled and come from faith in God, then there's power in our words. Okay, when you guys agree with me, just wave your hand because I'm gonna keep making points until we agree. Okay, um, now how do we get faith in God? First of all, let me, make a, let me make a description of the faith in God. One time I looked up that little phrase, faith in God, in all the different Bible translations, you know, there's like 13 of them that we have access to on my little online Bible Logos. There's like 13 different translations. Four of the translations have the phrase, have the faith of God. And then um, nine of them say, have faith in God. Whether it's faith of God or faith in God, that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point is your words will not have the same power as Jesus's words unless you really have faith in God, right? Not faith in yourself, not faith in your own disciplines, not faith in your own righteousness, not faith in how long you fasted or how long you prayed. Come on, that's not what you can have faith in and have power in your words. That's nothing. The only way you can have power in your words like Jesus is if your faith is based in God. Okay, is everybody with me on that? Can, does everybody understand that? Okay. And then Jesus proceeds to give that verse that I think is the key to prayers that get answered. 
and it's Mark 11:23. And I'm just going to read it. I didn't even have my Bible open. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to read Mark 11:23, and this is the key to a prayer that gets answers. Okay. Morning in progress. Truly, I say to you. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. So let's just break that little verse down. First of all, it doesn't say whoever says to God. It starts off by saying whoever says to the mountain. So I think most of our prayers have been off when we say, God, help us with this problem. We're supposed to talk to our problem about God. We're supposed to speak to the mountain. We're supposed to command cancer to leave. We're supposed to command fear to leave. We're supposed to command COVID to leave. We're supposed to command depression to leave. Come on, you guys. We're supposed to command demons to leave. We're not supposed to go to God when God says, I give you the power. I've given you the authority. You just need to believe it. You need to have faith in God. And so we got to go back to verse 22. How do we get faith in God, right? How do you get faith in God that gives you the confidence that your words can move mountains? That's the big question, isn't it? Because there's a lot of ways to get into faith. A lot of it's worship. Would you guys agree that worship's a good way to get into faith? Rest, like rest, but rest isn't even possible without trust. Like you can't rest if there's no trust, right? Because the world's going crazy right now. Am I right, you guys? Like the world's out of control. So worship, obviously meditation on the word is probably the best one. Like I, I think faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Like how much do you want faith? Start listening to God more. Am I a broken record? I mean, you know, it says in Psalms 45 that our tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And so we're, according to Proverbs 3, we're supposed to write God's word on our heart. Well, how are we going to write it? Talk to yourself about what it says you have. And just start quoting all the things the Bible says you have. Like you have the power that raised Jesus from the dead. You have the faith of the apostles. You have the glory of Christ living inside of you. You're healed by his stripes. You can do all things. You have all your needs supplied. Come on. You, I mean, there's so many promises in the word. And Philemon or Philemon 1.6 says your faith becomes effective with the knowledge of everything you have. And so you have to acknowledge it. You have to speak it. Talk to yourself. Like make people think you're crazy. Talk to yourself. Speak the word of God to yourself. When darkness comes, speak truth. Come on, when fear comes, speak truth. When anxiety comes, speak truth. Like, that's your weapon is the word of God. And when it becomes alive, then it's two-edged. Come on, man. The living word of God, the sword of the spirit, is when it comes out of your inmost being and you actually believe in your words. That's a part of Mark 11:23. 23. When you believe what you say, 
Like we've got to get to the point where we believe in our words and then the mountain will know it has to believe in our words if it knows we believe in our words. Come on. Like if you don't believe what you're saying is going to happen, forget anything else believing it. You're the one that has to believe first. The church is discouraged because we're waiting for God to do stuff that he's given us power and authority to do. You know, in Luke 9, he gave the 12 disciples power and authority over all sickness, all disease, all demons. And all I usually hear Christians praying for is for God to take care of sickness and disease and demons, and he gave us authority. It's the same thing in Luke 10. He gave 72 other people the same authority. It's like he doesn't, he doesn't hold his authority back. He gives it to every believer. Every believer has been given all authority. Come on, you guys. Every believer has been given all authority. And so how do you use it? Speak to the mountain. And so I got inspired um, on Monday. This is interesting. I had actually had an opportunity to sit in the prayer room for four and a half hours uninterrupted. And I thought, man, I'm going to have a wonderful day praying. And when I got there, I got kind of discouraged and depressed thinking, oh no, four and a half hours. How am I going to sit here for four and a half hours? And then I started thinking about all the people that are sick around me. And I started thinking about all the people that I know that have died. Good people, good people. And I started getting discouraged. And the Holy Spirit says, you can be discouraged or you can confront this with what I've given you the ability to do. Because I woke you up Saturday out of your, you know, your devotions and told you why people's prayers don't get answered. Why don't you practice that? And the Holy Spirit told me, why don't you just put a little short post on Facebook saying, if you need a healing, I'll agree and believe with you for your healing. And guys, I had over 3,000 people respond. And... I, I responded so many times and I never did. I said, I command sickness to leave. I command healing to come. All I did was practice Mark 11, 23. And I didn't spend four and a half hours in the prayer room. I actually spent five hours and 10 minutes. And I was 10 minutes late to a service that night that I was supposed to preach in because I didn't even know where the time went because prayer became the most exciting thing I'd ever done because I was actually doing Mark 11, 23. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, I felt you guys like I wasn't even sitting in my chair. I don't even know how to explain it. I felt like God was just holding me up. I can't explain it. I felt like I was being held up. And prayer became the most exciting thing because I actually believed in my words. And I started getting testimonies of people that were healed. And I started getting testimonies of people that felt the presence of God touching them. And I practiced the same thing yesterday on our Zoom call where I commanded pain to leave. And I had two ladies text me yesterday and said, right when I texted them, the pain left their bodies and they could go out and walk and they had no pain. And I guess maybe Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, if you want to have the same kind of results with your words, you got to start by believing in me, period. And if you really believe in me, you can just say to things and they'll have to move. Whoa, man, is it that simple? 
Is it really that simple? And so then he gives us an example, you know, of Acts 3, where Peter and John are going to the gate, you know, to the temple to pray, and that beggar's there asking for money, and and they look down at him, and they say, look at us, right? And when he's looking at them, he's expecting to receive something from them, right? And they look at him, and they say, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have. Now, that sounds prideful. That sounds boastful. But what if we actually believe we have the power that raised Jesus from the dead inside of us? What if we believe that? It wouldn't be prideful or boastful or arrogant to say, what I have, I'm going to give you, and it's going to solve your 40-year problem. It wouldn't be prideful to say that. It would be prideful to act like you don't have it. (laughs) It would be prideful not to believe what God's Word says you have. And so Peter didn't pray for the guy. He used the name of Jesus. He was actually practicing what he had learned several months earlier in Mark 11. He actually remembered what Jesus said. And he said, what I do have, I give you. And he grabbed him by the hand and he (laughs) he got him up. (laughs) Oh my word, would that have been a good day, you guys? Come on. (laughs) And then the people start start praising Peter, right? Oh, are you a God, whatever? And Peter says, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not by our own faith or godliness that this man stands before you healed. And then he goes through the discourse that they're the ones who killed the Prince of Life. But then the final verdict is, it's by, it's on the basis of faith in the name of Jesus that this man stands here whole. So Peter even though he said, what I have, I give to you. He wasn't saying it was his. It was saying it was something that he'd been given that he had. And that's going to be where we have to get to you guys to have the results of Jesus. We're going to We're going to actually have to start believing he's given us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead because he has, he's just waiting us to have faith in God. Are you guys tracking with me? Come on, is this like is this resounding in your hearts? So Isaiah 45:11 says that we have the power in our words to command God concerning the work of his hands. In other words, we can speak things and God's power moves where we speak because his hand is his power. It's Isaiah 45:11. So let me give you this little analogy, and then I want to go into uh, a little bit different train of thought because of some circumstances that I experienced last night, okay? Um, Let me give you just a little bit, a different perspective. Okay, I have a house in Gardner, Kansas, right? I have a house in Gardner, Kansas, and um, I have lights in every room that come on, and all I have to do is flip a switch. Isn't that amazing? It's like, whoa, modern technology. And so um, my um, my house has power to it because when the house was built, it passed inspection. In other words, people came out, they looked at the wiring, they looked at the breakers, they looked at the systems, and it was approved by the company that has the power. Okay, you get it so far? So then they 
put power to my house because it passed the test. Well, I want to tell you what your test is to have the power. You have to trust God with your life. You have to let him fill you with his spirit and you've passed the test. So you have the power of the resurrection inside of you. Is anybody with me? You guys tracking? But what is faith and your words? Faith and your words are the switch that turns on the light. Like you can have all the power of the resurrection, but if you don't use your faith by believing it enough to speak it, nothing's going to happen. You're going to have to flip the switch, right? Now, in my office, sometimes lights burn out. I don't, I don't call the power company when a light burns out. I change the light bulb. Come on. The only reason I would call the power company is if we forgot to pay the bill. Does that make sense? Like, I'm just assuming the power's there. So it's never the power company's fault if I don't have power. Something's going on in my house. Either a breaker needs to be flipped. Like if I go home and I want to heat up some leftover Mexican food in the microwave or something, if the microwave doesn't work, my first thought is not call the power company. My first thought is I wonder if it's unplugged. I wonder if a breaker flipped. The point I'm trying to make is it's never on God's end when there's no power. Come on, somebody. It's not on God's end. Like he's never tired. He's never out of power. His anointing's new, his mercy's new. He's always yes. He's always yes, I am willing. Like he's the I am willing God. Whoa, is this good news? So our job is to believe enough to keep flipping the switches. Like, just for, for you to say, what I have, I give you, come on. That's not arrogance, it's called faith. Arrogance would be, well, I'm gonna take a light bulb out of, the, out of the light fixture and put it in my mouth and prove that I have the power. Go ahead, the light bulb will never light if you put it in your mouth, because it's not your power. It's the power that's been put in you by the God you believe in. So why did most people not pray this way? I don't know. We pray what we've usually heard, don't we? Don't we usually model what we've seen? And so most people say, God, would you heal that person? God, would you intervene? God, would you have mercy? God, would you help us? And all those prayers sound so humble. And all those prayers sound so holy. And all those prayers have no results usually. Because we're not doing it the way Jesus said. And I've had a lot of people tell me, well, it sounds arrogant the way you're doing that, Dan. That's not the way my parents did it, my grandparents. And usually my response is, well, your grandparents and your parents were probably really godly people. And I honor them and they're, and they're in heaven. Great. Praise God. And their hearts were right. And people's hearts that are right are going to go to heaven. But unless your mind's renewed, you're not going to pray the way Jesus taught you to pray. Jesus wants us to use the authority he's given us. He wants to command. He wants us to use the authority so we can command things. He wants us to command darkness to leave. He wants us to command sickness to leave. He wants us to command life to come. He wants us to actually believe we have all power and all authority. Come on, man.
That's not arrogance. It's called faith. <laughs> Are you guys tracking with me? And so here's the story I want to tell you. For the past year, I've been praying with some people for a friend named Wes Adams who went to Southern Nazarene University and then he went to Baylor and got his doctorate, PhD. And he was a professor at Mid-American Nazarene University for a while and back in the 80s, he got kicked out because he had a prayer language. He got kicked out of the church, got kicked out of the university because he had a prayer language. And so he kept following God, obviously. And he's been associated with IHOP you know, all these years. And he's 81 and a half years old. And, and I've been going over there on a weekly basis when I'm available in town to pray with some people for his quadriplegic body that was in a car wreck when he was 17 to come back to life. Okay. So for 63 and a half years, Wes has been believing that his legs would run again, that his body would work again. He never stopped believing. And he had people over and over again try to talk him into believing, well, you'll have a new body in heaven and you'll be healed in heaven. And his response was, I don't need to be healed in heaven. I need to be healed down here. And he never stopped believing. He never stopped believing. Do you understand? He would go to Europe. He would go to England and he would travel around in his handicapped accessible van and he would preach and he would see revival fire fall and the guy i would go you guys to pray with him and i would always leave encouraged because a guy that can't move his legs and can't walk for six and a half decades never stopped believing you get it are you getting what i'm saying and Sometimes, you guys, I, I'm trying to explain why most of us don't keep confessing and declaring. Most of us re resort to begging because we lose our confidence because of disappointment. We lose our confidence because of pain. We lose our confidence because of discouragement, right? And there's a lot of that to go around. There's like more than we need, right? There's more pain and discouragement now than ever before. And so I would go pray for this guy and, and he needed encouragement. Don't get me wrong. It's hard to sit in a wheelchair for 63 and a half years. He needed encouragement, but I would always leave feeling like I got more out of the prayer meeting than he did. Okay. Well, he got real sick this week and I went over there on our weekly Tuesday prayer meeting to pray for him yesterday afternoon. We always go about 445. And he was laboring to breathe and he looked like my grandma did when my grandma died. And I was bold. I was commanding life. I was commanding new lungs, commanding a new heart, commanding life. And uh, last night at 10 o'clock, he passed into glory. And he had been given visions from God that he would be healed. He'd been given, given prophetic words from different people that he would be healed. And I know he's healed in heaven, but it's not what he was given. It's not what he believed for. So my heartache in the middle of the night, you know, I got the text from caregivers and stuff in the middle of the night. It's like, okay, God, 
I don't know, I don't even know how to pray. Because I want him to come back from the dead, because I want him to, to be a sign and a wonder that sparks a worldwide revival. Somebody that doesn't lose their faith for 63 and a half years would be a prime candidate for somebody that could spark revival. You get it? Are you guys tracking with me? And so I was fighting discouragement. And the Lord took me to Romans 8. And I kind of want to finish my lesson this morning a little bit different on um, how do we keep believing in God enough to confess and command instead of resort to beg and hope? Would that be a good thing for all of us to have a takeaway this morning? How do we stay in the kind of faith where we have confidence to, to command and confess and not shrink back to begging and hoping? Okay, are we agreeing? Do you understand that? You understand what I'm saying, right? Because most prayer in the American church is begging and hoping and not speaking to mountains. And so the Lord took me to that passage that we all love in Romans 8, 26. Now in the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness. I felt weak last night, right? One of my heroes died. Well, he didn't die passed over he's not dead for we do not know what to pray as we should but the spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words so I said okay Holy Spirit I don't know how to pray and all of a sudden I started feeling energy inside my heart And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. And all of a sudden I started seeing a bigger picture. And it wasn't about Wes and it wasn't about me. And it wasn't about anything that I could control with my mind. It was about the spirit never wants me to lose the fight. The spirit never wants me to settle. The spirit never wants me to shrink back. And so the spirit last night was interceding in me. I didn't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit's the perfect prayer warrior. Would you guys all agree with that? So I get up this morning, I can't sleep. I'm awakened at five. And at six, a pastor calls me that she's ready to just, she doesn't know what to do. She feels like she's losing her mind. And I knew exactly what to say. And I knew exactly what to pray. And I wasn't discouraged. I was edified. And then I realized the Holy Spirit prayed in me all night long. I wish you guys could get to what I'm saying here. I didn't lose my fight and Wes surely didn't lose his fight. He didn't want to go to the hospital. He didn't want doctors. He wanted to believe in the blood. He wanted to see revival break out. You get it? He didn't want any option except Jesus. Are you hearing me, you guys? And so then the Lord took me 
to verse 36 of Romans 8. And where it, where it says, just as, well, let me start with verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, just as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We were regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. Okay? All these things. And he waits until he quotes Psalms 44:22 to say that. Um, overcoming a tribulation, overcoming trouble, overcoming persecution, overcoming famine, overcoming nakedness, overcoming danger, overcoming death, overcoming the sword. It's awesome. But it's not until it says, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. It's not until he quotes Psalms 44, 22 that he says, now, if you don't lose your fight, if you don't lose your faith, regardless of circumstances, if the fight's the same as it, the day it started, what's the fight for righteousness? What is righteousness? The destruction of everything the devil has brought into this planet. Every family division, every broken relationship, every disease, every sickness, every demonic oppression, everything that exalts itself up against the knowledge of what God says he provided in his sacrifice is the fight of righteousness. I want you to notice that when he quotes Psalms 44, 22, it says, for your sake, and it's a capital Y. And if you go back and read Psalms 44, it's it seems like a discouraging chapter because it's like a, it's like a depiction of what's going on in the church today in our culture. The whole chapter seems like we're losing. And then all of a sudden, verse 22 says, but it's for your sake that this is happening. And what if we're finishing the sufferings of Christ? Listen, now look at me very carefully, you guys not by what we're going through that's not the point because to get healed of a disease is to be a conqueror come on to get set free from a demon is to be a conqueror to see a restored relationship is to be a conqueror to have a supernatural breakthrough in finances is to be a conqueror all those are conquerors and that's great to conquer is awesome but to be an overwhelmingly conqueror is when no circumstances can take the fight of righteousness out of you. Are you guys hearing this? This is, this is very important for the season we're in, in the last generation of the planet. God doesn't want us just to be conquerors that can see victories because we have faith. That's gonna be a given. If you have faith, you're gonna see victories. God wants us to be overwhelmingly conquerors. So regardless of the circumstances, we don't lose the fight for righteousness. We're just as gung-ho in our last breath as we were when the fight began. 
Are you guys hearing this? Wave your hands if you're hearing me. You act like you're in deep contemplation. So then he took me to these final verses. And this is where I want to end this morning. Romans chapter 10. Verse 8 is where I want to start. What does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. That's why Mark eleven twenty two 22 says you got to have faith, man. You got to have faith in God because that's what makes you righteous. That's what makes you like him. You got to believe. Do we get it? You got to believe. But then it says, but with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in soteria, salvation. What is salvation? Healing, deliverance, miracles, breakthrough. It's not going to happen until we confess it with our mouth. Jesus told us the secret to overwhelmingly conquering lifestyles. Do whatever it takes to have faith in God. And then never stop commanding the mountains to move. To your last breath. What's Satan going to do with a church like that? He's going to try to find a different one. (laughs) He's going to try to find a different church to harass if we ever get to what I'm preaching. Because when we become overwhelmingly conquerors, circumstances have no sway on our faith. We just keep pressing through. Pressing through to lay a hold of that which is laid a hold of us. Amen. So I'm, I'm outwardly sad right now. I'm still believing God could raise him from the dead, right? Until he's cremated or whatever, I think God raised him up. And boy, wouldn't that be a hoot? Wouldn't that be a hoot today if Wes all of a sudden coughed and jumped out of the wheelchair? And we couldn't heal him when he was alive, but God healed him when he died. That'd be a better glory for God. So I'm outwardly a little sad. But inside my heart, I got more fire than I've ever had. Is that so jam good? And so you may be looking at a situation in your family. You may be looking at a situation in your church, your ministry, your body. Instead of allowing it to discourage you and talk you out of the fight of faith and righteousness, why don't you allow it to inspire you? to believe for more. 
that's my lesson for today. I'm a little weak. I didn't get much sleep last night, you guys. When the spirit prays in you all night long, it doesn't let you sleep real well. And I'm not discouraged on the inside. I don't want you to think that. I don't need prayer. Like I feel like I'm more dangerous now than I've ever been against the kingdom of darkness. So I don't want you to misread what I'm saying. I just know there's more power available to us. So let's keep fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. I would encourage you to go back to the library as soon as they upload this in the next three or four days and listen to this sermon over and over again. Because there's a lot of profound truth in this that I think will sustain us in these days we find ourselves in. I'm going to pray over you. And then I feel like I'm just supposed to rest a little bit. Is that okay, Melissa? I think I'm just going to rest. Uh, yeah, puzzle. buddy, that's that's great. In fact, why don't you close us in prayer, Melissa? So, Lord, today, I just want to declare, God, um, my faith in you, Lord. And by declaring my faith in you, Lord, I, I want all of us to be those that declare we believe, we believe, we believe. So we will stop praying to you to give us what you've already given us, God, and give us boldness to speak to the mountain, to speak to the disease, to speak to the affliction, to speak, God, to the demons. And we won't beg anymore, Lord. We won't sit in an impoverished mindset, but God will be emboldened by the truth that we can have faith in all circumstances. And truly that is the faith that pleases you. And so Lord, I thank you for this word that has spurred us on. It has, it has taught us, God, it has encouraged us. And Lord, we wanna keep walking toward praying correctly. Lord, we want to have our prayers answered. We wanna be encouraged to continue to pray, God. We don't wanna, we don't want to stop because we don't see movement. But Lord, we do understand that if there's a missing link, it's on our end, not on your end. And so, Lord, we thank you for this word yesterday. We thank you for this word continuing through today. God, I thank you for the life of Wes Adams. What an incredible man, Lord, we are. We are super saddened to hear of, of his passing. But Lord, thank you for his influence. Thank you for his faith. Now, Lord, I pray today that you would give each one of us opportunities to speak to the mountain, not to beg to you, but to speak to the mountain. God, I pray that you would give us um, Holy Spirit nudges before we miss the opportunity to do just that. Father, we don't want to look back and say, wow, we missed it. We missed it. We want to be ready. This is what this equipping is for, to be ready, to be prepared. And so, Lord, I don't want us to just hear it today. I want us to ingest it, write it on the word of our heart, God. This is truth. This is truth. This is truth. And the spirit bears witness in us that this is truth. And so, God, we love you today. We honor you. And we thank you for the upcoming opportunities to do exactly what this message has called us to do. Lord, thank you for the gift of faith. Thank you for you've given us to each one of us a measure. We're going to take that measure and we're going to um, stand in belief, in full faith, not knowing what may come of that, not caring if there's fruit, just being obedient sons and daughters. That's what we want, to be obedient and overcoming. God, we love you today. I bless everyone on this call, Father. I thank you for encouragement. I thank you for healing. And Lord, I just speak, I just speak to everyone's healing today, God. Those that need a relief from pain, we just speak to the pain and we cast you out in the name of Jesus. Those that 
are dealing with affliction, God. We just speak to that affliction because your name, your blood is more powerful. And so God, we love you today. We bless you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.
to be in the flesh is to be on the wrong frequency. It's God's plan for you to prosper. And so Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I heard the voice of God one time speak to me, and I prophesied into a lady, and her dead baby came back to life. I heard the word of God speak to me one time and told me to pray three times for a person. And during that same time frame, he came back from the life, from the dead three different times. And my father-in-law was with me when we were actually praying. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me he was going to heal a lady with ALS and he healed her that same night of Lou Gehrig's disease. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me he was going to get rid of a demon off of a lady who had 12 diseases. And that night the demon left and she was healed of the 12 diseases. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me to get up and do a healing service at my home church once on a Wednesday night. And he grew a lady's lung back who lost a lung. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me to tell a lady who was dying of cancer that the cancer was gone and God healed her. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me to prophesy into a lady who had been hurt by the church that God was going to heal her and God healed her and her husband blessed us substantially. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me to do a public confession service of sin and it resulted in God endowing our ministry. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me that my wife's desires are as important as his and God provided a supernatural vehicle. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me one time prophesying to a pastor and I got the largest love offering I've ever gotten. I can tell you thousands of stories of when I heard the voice of the Lord and it was always a supernatural outcome. And I can tell you lots of stories where I have many regrets and it's because I did what I wanted and I didn't listen to God. No regrets when you listen to God. Nothing but regrets when you listen to yourself. And I just hear him saying, come to me. If you come after me with all of your heart, you will find me. So I'm going to pray a blessing over you before we leave. So I thought, Father, I thank you for these amazing men and women that are after your heart. That's why they're on a Zoom. They want to know you more. They want to hear you clearer. They don't want to be busy <clears throat> with earthly stuff that keeps them from the supernatural presence of God. So give us wisdom, give us discernment, and then give us willing hearts to obey you. The greatest thing we'll ever do is what you tell us. Give us willing hearts to obey you. And then just speak. And we'll do what you say. We'll say what you say. We'll take the risk. We'll be fools for Christ. We just want your name to be glorified. So I bless every man and woman on this call, their families, I pray that 2022 would be the year that revival breaks out in all the families. All the places where they minister, all the places where they serve.
that every lost child will come home. This will be homecoming year. Every lost grandchild, every lost sibling, every lost spouse, every person in the family that's out of the family right now, that this would be the year that we see the salvation of the Lord. So I bless you, Papa. I thank you for sending your spirit to live in us, to speak to us, to guide us, to empower us, to heal us, to deliver us. May our lives be a sign and wonder for the world around us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.